welcome to How Fitting, the podcast about creating fashion and growing a business that fits your customer, your lifestyle, and your values. I'm your host, Allison Haynes. Today, I'm joined by Shamaya Dewey, who is the founder of Shamaya Dewey Fashion. So welcome to the show, Shamaya. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. For those who are just meeting you for the first time, could you share a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, of course. So uh, as you said, I'm my name is Shamaya Dewey. I'm 24 and I'm from Hampshire in the UK. And I founded the UK's first clothing brand for short stature people. Uh, measuring under four foot 11 so that's kind of my day-to-day I'm the director of a fashion brand and then I also do a bit of um, tutoring of special needs people on the side as well so cool um so how did you like get into all this like do you have a background in fashion um what kind of started you on this path in fashion and entrepreneurship yeah so from a really young age, I loved art and that was my main thing. I'd say from as old as I was old enough to pick up a crayon and start doodling away, mm-hmm. I always was drawing and like anyone in my family will vouch for that and just say I was drawing kind of any moment possible. That was my little happy place was with a sketchbook and some crayons. And then when I got to about the age of around 10, might have been between eight, nine and 10, that kind of age. Mm-hmm. I watched a documentary about Christian Dior and I just absolutely fell in love with fashion and I really was very creative like as I said I was always drawing I was a very girly girl I loved dresses and I was always dressing up like Sleeping Beauty and Cinderella and mm-hmm. Belle <laughs> all of those like I was very very girly so I did love clothing and, and dresses and shoes but it was after watching this documentary of Dior that I just it was like that light bulb moment from like that young age that I just knew that's what I wanted to do. And I was so inspired by his whole story. And what I really, really loved was that his whole thing was about making women feel really confident and mm-hmm. really accentuating their body and having like a cinched in waist and uh, accentuating curves and things like that. I just really loved that. And I've always loved female form and and these kind of things so had that light bulb moment and then from there I knew that I wanted to have my own clothing brand I wanted to be similar to what he'd done creating clothing that made people feel really good but I didn't overly know what that was going to look like um Mm -hmm. and then I think when I was about 12-ish around that age one of our neighbours was talking about their, I think it was their niece or their cousin or someone like that, saying, oh, well, my niece or whoever it was is really interested in fashion too. And, and they're currently at London College of Fashion. And like, again, it was like that light bulb moment. I was like, wow, London College of Fashion, that sounds impressive. I want to go there. So that's what I did. Like I got through school. I did college. I studied textiles the whole way through. I did an extended year, um, which over in the UK, we do like art foundation years. So I was certain that I would get into uni. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I went off to uni in 2018 and graduated last year. So yeah, so I've definitely got a background in fashion. And then in terms of my brand, I met someone with with um, dwarfism a few years ago. It was actually just before I went off to uni. And again it was like that light bulb moment it was like another switch went off and realized there wasn't really any clothes on the market for people with dwarfism Mm -hmm. and the stuff that was on the market was usually quite pricey was usually really basic it wasn't very trendy at all and I just thought like people want to look like their peers people want to feel like they fit in they don't want to have to spend two three times the amount to to feel like they fit in so then and it was that light bulb moment and I knew that that's what I wanted to explore and then here I am doing it (laughs) that's so exciting and congrats on like at each step it sounds like you're like that's what I'm gonna do and then you like made it happen and like are are yeah fulfilling that dream that you had (laughs) when you were little yeah yeah definitely I'm I'm just very resilient like once I've got my brain set on something 
I won't stop until I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it can be an issue sometimes. It's not mm-hmm. always great. Sometimes I need to learn to stop, but it has always served me. Uh, mm-hmm. until this- Wonderful. Um, so, yeah, so you met um, this person with dwarfism, yeah. and yeah, I agree. I mean, there, there's not a lot of petite options, but like we're talking not just petite under, you know, five foot three or whatever. Um, um, but like you're, you're, I know your um, brand really caters to um, people who are kind of like three to five feet tall, which yes. is a whole, a whole different like set of proportions to just, oh, make it shorter or even like children's sizing um which I know a lot of short people tend to like feel like they need to shop in the children's department to find something that is fit for their proportions but then it doesn't like look like their style if they're you know an adult and looking for for something a little more trendy and fashionable yeah yeah no definitely like I'd say in my roughly three years of of doing this now researching extensively the market and where people currently shop and what those issues are it is exactly as you said some people shop in the children's section if they've got a petite enough figure to do that but that comes with its own issues might have butterflies mm-hmm. all over it dinosaurs glitter you name it mm-hmm. all those <laughs> you don't want to wear as an adult or even a teen like once you get into those teenage years and you try and find your style and your friends have all got like the latest brands or the latest craze you can't join in Mm-hmm. And then you also have then the opposite end of people that have got slightly curvier figures or they may have had children or whatever it may be. Just as you get older, your body changes. Mm-hmm. And then you can't fit into children's clothing anymore because obviously children's clothing doesn't account for bigger hips or bigger bust or a bigger belly or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm really trying to fill that gap of creating stylish clothing that looks like anything else you'd find on the high street but it has those different proportions because I think ultimately people want to fit in they don't want to feel different they don't want to look different they don't want to stand out even more than Mm. they already do for being small so that's really where I come in yeah yeah and I love that as as a pattern maker I'm always like so excited when brands really dive into filling a niche for a specific customer like you know exactly who you're designing for and that like helps you make it really the perfect product for them and like get the fit just right um so I'm curious like you know you mentioned kind of research and 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 doing lots of things kind of I'm guessing even before you launched the brand to make sure that you had that right for this group of people um what did that look like when you were first like you had the idea to do this brand what did you do to actually start it so in my university studies I did a enterprise placement so most people that go to fashion school fashion college will do an industry placement as part of their studies and they'll go and work for another designer um, and they kind of pick up the ropes they learn things about business but sometimes you end up just being a runner mm-hmm. and I assume this is similar in the US as it is in the UK but in the UK if you try and get an internship at a fashion house you're almost never going to get paid for it so mm-hmm. I come from a pretty poor background and like my family was on benefits um I was estranged from my family while I was at uni. So I didn't have any financial support to do that. So I couldn't go and work for another brand, as well as the fact that there's so much competition in London to get internships. So instead of doing that, I did an enterprise placement. And I know I wanted to start a business anyway, so it it did really work for me. Um, But essentially, I stayed on at London College of Fashion and I learned the ins and outs of business. And while I was doing that, part of the course was to create a brand so of course I knew what I wanted to do I was like this is perfect time for me to trial it and see if it works let's see Mm -hmm. if people are interested let's see how much I can learn let's see how much I can do in this year so I kind of had that safety net of being in school still to fall back on but yeah I spent that year just doing surveys putting surveys out there 
and really asking questions like what are your biggest challenges with clothing do you have mobility or dexterity issues that affect the way you dress Mm. what are some of those dream pieces that you wish you could just buy off the rack without altering all of those things to really understand my customer and to really put myself into their mindset of imagining like what really do they want from from a new brand Mm. and then of course I come up against the issue of sizing and as you can probably guess there's not really any research into this and there's no information because no one's really done it very well before yeah so then I've been a long time gathering data from people asking for their measurements and created a size chart from there and actually recently I redid the size chart so now there's a lot more data that's gone into it but when I started it was about 25 women with dwarfism um mm-hmm. whereas now I've kind of branched out a bit more and aiming to reach the the entire short stature market so that's not just dwarfism that's things like brittle bone disease cerebral palsy down syndrome spina bifida some people simply are just small that they don't Mm -hmm. have conditions they're just small so really taking all of that data to create a size chart that encompasses those slightly different measurements um so yeah I just spent a really really long time understanding what the customer really wanted meeting new people virtually and in person and just really getting to grips with with what was needed what I didn't want to do was put clothing out there that I liked but it wasn't mm-hmm. helpful um so yeah I spent a really really long time researching and obviously I'm I'm always researching I'm always learning new things every day yeah yeah and that that's amazing I I love that you 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 spent that time researching and really understanding because that helps so much you know when you come to yeah. like you said the the product design and creation to make sure that you're designing things that people actually want yeah Um, and if I'm not mistaken you are not short correct yeah so I'm five foot two so I'm relatively small for an average height woman but no I'm not short stature um I think the reason I'm kind of well suited to being in this role and, and doing something that doesn't necessarily affect me is because I'm extremely empathetic and I'm just one of those people mm. that once I've seen something like some kind of injustice or something that I think I could make a difference in, I will just go all the way and I can't ignore it. And I have to try and, I don't know, help in some way. Like, for example, I went vegan after watching Cowspiracy on Netflix. <laughs> and literally watching that one thing turned me off it forever. Once I've seen something bad, can't look back. And it was mm-hmm. a similar thing with meeting this young person with dwarfism seeing the challenges they had just in everyday life then realizing well clothing is just another one of those things and I love fashion really passionate about that really really passionate about making people feel good so surely I'm I'm qualified enough to go into this and luckily the feedback although I'm not small myself has always been really positive nice yeah, and I don't think, so they're kind of like two sides to like, are, is the designer the target market or not? Um, yeah. You know, in typical brands, you know, high street, fast fashion, you know, big box, um, the designer is usually not the target market, you know, like, yeah. it, I mean, you know, especially even with like children's wear, like it's adults yeah. designing for children or, um, okay. you know, men designing women's wear, women designing mm-hmm. men's wear, like it they're it really comes from you know they're good at the designer is good at their job because they they understand the customer they understand the trends that are relevant and they have experience in that category um even if they themselves don't have that challenge um but then on the other hand like you I, I do see a lot of kind of smaller independent brands where the designer is their target market it's like they see a they experience a need in mm-hmm. their own wardrobe or they have their own challenge and decide you know and maybe talk to some other people with a similar challenge and and then decide okay I'm gonna start a brand to fill this need yeah. um and you're kind of like 
both where you're design you're starting this brand for to solve this need and it you, you know instead of working for like a big a big um brand but you're not the target market and like yeah. I, in some ways I think it has a lot of it, you know it can be helpful to when you do have the same challenges as your target market but then on the other hand there are lots of advantages to being a little bit removed from that because yeah. I think you can be a little bit more objective where um, you're able to more easily, like you said, look at, like separate what you personally like from what your customer likes or your target market likes. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting that you bring it up because I, I talk about that quite a bit that I know in business terms they call it an unfair advantage and I think that is my unfair advantage is that I'm not the customer mm. and especially given that we know that people with disabilities because that is the majority of my customer they're still not represented fairly and sometimes they're stereotyped and they still deal with harassment on a day-to-day -day basis and negative mm. feedback all those awful things but because I'm not my customer and I am average height and I'm not disabled either it means that I can come at it from a really non-emotional point of view because I'm mm -hmm. not affected by comments or I'm not affected when I speak to uh, panel members or investors or anyone I guess you'd see as above me and they say well this is really niche it doesn't affect that many people I can come at it from completely a business mind instead of being in my emotions too much mm. um and like you said like women can design for men and adults design for children and I think that can be the case in the adaptive fashion world and in my case as well that mm -hmm. just because I'm not small doesn't mean that I can't gather lots of data and understand it and see things subjectively instead mm -hmm. of being so intertwined with all of the issues um, yeah but obviously it has got challenges like it means everything takes a lot longer because it takes a lot more research I can't try things on myself so have to get fit models in and all those things so there's definitely pros and cons but I think mm -hmm. overall it, it it suits it suits me and my like passion for for helping people really well yeah it sounds like you're very like empathetic and you know, I have taken your time to really understand the challenges and like the emotional weight of that too, that um, short statured people have to deal with on a daily basis. And so you aren't just like, hey, I'm gonna, you know, make money from selling yeah. things to this market. Like you're really trying to solve a problem because you care about the person first. And like the, the clothing is just the result of trying to solve that problem for them yeah yeah and also for anyone that knows anyone that's tried to start a business or has done it themselves or whatever it might be I think most people will understand that you don't get any financial gain for a really long time yes so <laughs> even almost three years in I'm I've put so much money into it I work more than all of my peers and things like that like you really don't get that financial gain. So I think even for anyone thinking like, oh, wow, maybe she's just doing it to profit off these people, I would be failing very hard at that at the moment <laughs> because it does take time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I don't think like just, you know, seeing what you put out and seeing your site, that's, I would have not assumed that you're doing it for the profit, you know, but yeah. Um, yeah, that's a that's a good point too. Of it, it takes a, a real like investment and diligence to solving this problem well to yeah. make it work. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Like like I said, it takes time. Like I'm in a place at the moment where I'm scaling and I'm speaking to investors and really trying to get it off the ground. But yeah, it takes time. Like you've really got to care and you've got to be so resilient through those like tougher periods where like sales aren't coming in or you've got issues with manufacturers or whatever it may be you've mm -hmm. got to have your purpose and your why as they call it like really cemented to keep going 
for sure. So you did this year of research and then and created your size chart. What was kind of the next steps you took? Like at that point, were you actually designing the pieces mm-hmm. or yeah, what did kind of the next steps of the business after the research look like? Yeah, so after I'd done a lot of the research and I'd worked on branding and the size chart and all of those things, I did start sampling and I think I very much underestimated how long that would also take. <laughs> um I think as I said like it makes it much harder that I can't just wear the clothes myself because for a typical fashion brand you if you're if you are your own market or roughly your own market you can get samples you can be like great I'm gonna test them I'm gonna wear it I'm gonna do a wash test I'm gonna I don't know work out in it whatever it might be Mm -hmm. to fit and durability comfortability all of that stuff obviously I couldn't do that so I went back and forth with fit models. Some of the samples had kind of up to 10 iterations. Like they really did take time, even just for those basics. But it meant that when I got them to a point that I was really happy with the fit and they fit really lovely and the fabrics were great and they looked good, they were comfortable. It meant that we've got a real solid base now to grow from and to make more products. So mm. Yeah, that was the next stage was sampling. As I said, it took quite a while. I think I roughly started sampling in April of 2021 and launched at the end of that year slash the start of 23. No, start of 22, sorry. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, it did take months. Yeah, eight, eight, nine months. Yeah, it took a long time, but it was worth it because it meant that the fit was great we've got those building blocks now to to move from and to make new items and explore new silhouettes but yeah it took a long time just to to get my head around what those different proportions were and what differences that made because for anyone that knows fashion and knows about making clothes you often have patterns and they're too obviously average height roughly average bodied women Mm-hmm. And of course, my customer isn't that. So I now had to understand well, how are the darts going to be different or how's the bust line going to be different? Is the shoulder depth going to be smaller or um, even like the sleeves, for example, had to be roughly 50% shorter. But it meant I had to reconstruct all of the, the basic building blocks of creating clothing. So mm-hmm. it just took a long time to kind of get my head around it, trial and error. Um, but like I said, it means we've got those building blocks now to make more items. Yeah, you've done the hard work of yeah. building the foundation of the fit yeah. that you're looking for. Um, yeah. And you can use that for future styles. Yeah, and, definitely. And eight months, especially when you're you're starting on a whole new fit and blocks from scratch like that, I feel like is still a very reasonable timeline. Like I normally yeah. recommend to my clients like development taking um for a first collection like six to nine months um, yeah and, and that's you know not accounting for creating a whole new size chart and and doing yeah. the research on a on a different market that has not doesn't really have any standards or documentation on measurements already yeah yeah no exactly like these things take time and I think even after I'd studied an enterprise course and we'd been told about timelines and things I was quite naive in thinking like well I'll just start sampling in April and I'll maybe launch by like August time thinking I could just smash through it be really easy no hiccups but then obviously when you get into the nitty-gritty things go wrong things aren't as you expected there's issues in manufacturers sometimes so things Mm -hmm. just get delayed and pushed back so I think giving your clients that space of like take six seven eight months to really work on this solidly and just expect that things might pop up here and there is great because otherwise like me you just get disappointed and thinking it needs to be done in in three months or I need to get it done in by the end of two months it's just not going to happen sometimes I mean in in the future now that you have those blocks like say you have 
um, you know, a crew neck shirt, maybe, mm. you know, you switch it to a V-neck shirt and make it a short sleeve and like that can yeah. be done quicker. But when you're developing a whole new product category and whole new sizing, yeah, it certainly yeah. takes time. Yeah, definitely. And like you said, especially for like that first collection, I mm-hmm. think just taking the time to make sure that you're 100% happy with it before you put it out there is great. Because even with my first manufacturers, I wasn't 100%. And then it turned out as pre-orders went in, like they put extra fees on top of things and I had to take uh, the orders away from them and find a new manufacturer last minute. So if you've got those gut feelings that something's not quite right, change it before you launch. Like launching slightly later is always better than doing what I did and having to email all your customers and say, really sorry, I'm going to have to find someone new now and do that last minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so how, d- how did you like connect with um the manufacturers or pattern makers or sample makers that you worked with like how did you find those people and and was it difficult uh, to find them in general but in like was there any hesitancy about kind of a whole new product category like this yeah definitely so in that first year of 2021 I had so many issues with sampling and manufacturing and I know that that's not a completely new thing because I listen to loads of fashion podcasts of other startups and they talk about these nightmares that they have and mm-hmm. again I was like really naive and I was like no like I'm too smart for that like, <laughs> I'm gonna sell through it um but originally I was looking for just like a freelancer to help me with something I found one on like a Facebook fashion group thing I can't remember what the group was called but this woman had found me on there and said, oh yeah, I can do sampling. And then I paid 500 pounds, got the samples made and they came back literally as if like a 10 year old had made them. They were so bad. Oh no. The measurements I'd given were like way out by like three, four inches, like not even half centimeters. Like they were really, really completely disproportionate. So that was like, 500 pound down the drain straight mm-hmm. away right in the beginning um so I ended up just sampling myself and it was one of those things where I couldn't quite trust anyone at that point to do it the way I knew I could do it mm-hmm. it meant that I had to spend a lot more time on it I didn't want to have to do the sampling because as much as I trained in fashion design and I can sew and I can pot and cut and all those things don't necessarily enjoy it so much I enjoy more the design and the creative stuff than the, the hands-on but that's what I did did all the sampling found a manufacturer in London and I was really happy with their ethical practices and sustainable practices and everything like that it was all going really smoothly and then got hit with the price tag and the cost price of mm-hmm. all the items it was just so high like the cost price was extortionate and we'd kind of come down and in some things and we'd come to an agreement over price but like I said it was that gut feeling that I knew it wasn't quite right um and unfortunately I didn't face so many barriers because of my market it was a bit more because I was young I think and that Mm. I was only 20 new new brand too yeah I think I was 22 when I was kind of going to manufacturers and speaking to them and yeah it was a completely new brand it was a first collection and I think lots of people just patronized me and just thought she hasn't got a clue what she's doing we're going to just put a huge price tag on it and we're going to try and charge extra fees and then the only other hurdle I did have before launching was getting everything graded so again for anyone that knows fashion you obviously have your original master pattern you get it graded and all the other sizes and I'd gone to a grade house again in London wanted to keep everything local and one they were really expensive and two they didn't listen to me when I said this is the grade rules it's a different customer it's not the same as your average height female because at the time I was only doing women's wear and Mm -hmm. they just completely ignored me and graded it to average height measurements 
so it just messed the whole thing up and again that was another roughly 500 pound down the drain mm-hmm. because they wouldn't refund it so I had lots of issues um in that first year just trying to get it made and trying to get it out there into the world but then found another manufacturer in the UK up in Newcastle that had they still had ethical practices it was all women owned and women run and they made the first couple of collections for us um and yeah it was a much smoother journey but at the point I'm at now I'm really looking more towards um manufacturing in Europe because the price is lower the quality is actually better than in the UK I think a lot of people find um interesting but I do think manufacturing I say it to everyone I think that's the hardest part Mm-hmm. it's the hardest part to get right yeah because it's like such a pivotal and yeah. I see the same thing like even a lot of the brands I work with are um in the U.S. and trying to manufacture in the U.S. too and there sometimes isn't the specialty for the product category local yeah. you know like it, yeah. the factories are very specialized and so um, there are many great factories here, but it's like finding the right, the factory with the right skill set and experience and machinery to sew like your product. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, making sure that it's at a price that like you as the brand can and, and minimums that you as a brand can afford, but yeah. still like at a price that is, you know, profitable and paying the workers who are sewing it a fair wage and and you know finding that perfect fit between the brand and the factory is is not easy as you say it, yeah it, one of the biggest challenges that and sourcing fabrics generally I think are the yeah. big challenges I see yeah yeah and I think as well it's such a huge challenge because there's so many like there's so many manufacturers out there there's so much fabric out there and so many suppliers but like you said it has to fit with what you do like it's got Mm -hmm. the fabric's got to be there on time you've got to have the right minimum order quantities like obviously small brands can't order thousands of units of things most of the time so finding that right balance is so tricky and yeah I 100% agree it's manufacturing and fabric sourcing is really tough for sure um, so going back a little bit to like the fit and you talked about it with getting the pieces graded um, mm-hmm. that even even the sizing not only just like the height and proportions but the grading is different for your customer um, what yeah. are some of those differences like as you've been developing this brand and doing doing the research really getting the fit right that have been kind of like key differences for your market versus kind of the average or even like shorter women Mm -hmm. so one of the main differences obviously is height but obviously Mm -hmm. with the different um conditions so dwarfism for example is much different to down syndrome they've got completely different bodies Mm -hmm. but in general i find that there are certain things that are always a bit different so for example the shoulder to bust apex point is always um a smaller depth so it's not as high as an average height woman um Mm. shoulder depth is usually a bit smaller they don't tend to have as broad shoulders as we do Mm -hmm. um when it comes to designing sleeves and uh trouser legs things like the elbow and the knee will be in a completely different point to an average height person so for an average height person roughly the elbow is kind of in the middle of the sleeve whereas mm-hmm. for a short stature person usually the elbow is a bit higher so changing those small things creates such a nice fit once you know where those points are mm-hmm. it changes the way the clothing fits um another big thing for my customer is they tend to have bigger hips and that's across most conditions um, that are short stature conditions I think because they're because their bones their bones are much shorter but they tend to have the same amount of muscle and fat and everything else as average height people mm-hmm. everything goes 
outwards slightly. So the hips are bigger. Sometimes they've got bigger busts. They've got uh, bigger upper arms, bigger thighs, that kind of thing. So, so trousers and sleeves, for example, have to have extra room for that. And on mm -hmm. the trousers especially, you really have to be careful with gaping in the back of the trouser. Um, so all of in, our clothing... In the back waist, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so yeah. all of our clothing has slightly longer ins... Um, not inseam, sorry. Uh, right. Seam. Uh, so the back seam goes up a bit higher to account for that. We tend to have much uh, deeper darts in the clothing. Um, and just having those small adaptions to help with dexterity and mobility issues as well. Um, so that can be, for example, I use wrap designs a lot for like dresses, skirts, tops, because wrapping something is much easier than having an invisible zip that's got a really tiny little pillar on it that's really awkward mm. or it might be up the back and you just can't reach it so just using universal design to really account for many more customers is one of the things that I prioritize the most but yeah proportion wise it did take a long time to understand it and those small tweaks make such a difference to the fit of something mm -hmm. definitely yeah and that's so interesting that um, I, I didn't know that the like elbow and knee joints mm -hmm. were not only just like everything shorter proportionally on the arm, but that it, it was kind of a different, different ratio of like below the elbow to above the elbow. Um, yeah. Super fascinating. Yeah, it's interesting. Again, it's something that you would never know unless you had to research it for any reason. And obviously, this is mm -hmm. why it took so long the sampling because that information isn't readily available I couldn't just google measurements for someone who's four foot tall it just didn't come up there was nothing existed yeah so it really has taken a lot of trial and error to understand the body type mm -hmm. yeah so was it difficult like you said the, the like even though your niche is is pretty tight in in that you're designing for short statured people mm -hmm. like there's still such a huge range of diversity and um yeah. body shape and ability within that market um is that difficult to kind of keep all of that in mind in the same designs or do you kind of break it up of like okay this group of designs maybe is a little bit more tailored to this body shape whereas this one you know might be a little bit more tailored to another yeah so it's really interesting it's something that I've thought about obviously a lot in the past three years is is how to structure that and for a while I thought maybe I'll have different collections so maybe I'll have a collection of people with dwarfism one for people with cerebral palsy for example and so on and so forth but actually I come to a point where I thought well, standardised fashion that's out there is, like I said, it's standardised. I can go and shop at Topshop or ASOS, for example, and I can buy a size 10 or 12 off the rack or a smaller or medium off the rack. Um, and I know that that's somewhat going to fit me. It might not be completely perfect, but it, it fits. So mm -hmm. what I've tried to do is do that within my own brand. So with the size chart especially, curating sizes that do fit the majority. And then when that comes to designs, it's a bit like what I said before with the universally designing products that can be altered slightly for, or not altered, adapted, sorry, for, mm -hmm. for each customer. So for example, with, um, let's think of a blouse, for example, having like an elasticated cuff that can be pulled up or down depending on how long your arm is um mm. although we do now offer different sleeve and leg lengths just as most brands now offer different inseam lengths that's something that I think makes our clothing much more customizable um mm -hmm. so it was really yeah me understanding that fashion in general is pretty standardized so that must mean that it works and my customers aren't rolling around naked like they do wear clothes so <laughs> work to a point um so yeah I've just tried to standardize things as much as I can and that's really to make the shopping process easy for the customer 
because they already have extra things on their plate, whether that's to do with their conditions or disabilities or just being small or having to get everything altered. I don't want my brand to now be an extra hassle. Like uh, when I shop at Shmidri Fashion, it's all bespoke. So it costs more or I've got to wait a long time or mm-hmm. I don't understand my sizing. I've tried to make it as simple as possible so that someone who, let's say they're four foot two, they're a wheelchair user who has brittle bone disease, let's say, they can come to the website, they can say, right, I know at Shmidri Fashion I'm a medium and I know that I have an average length for my inseam and my sleeves. They can kind of pick it up. They know that's going to fit. And yeah, I hope that kind of that makes sense. That's kind of my thought. It does, yeah. Yeah. You're trying to to kind of find the commonalities and um, create the pieces in kind of an adaptable way. And even like you mentioned, you do a lot of wraps. And that can be kind of wrapped tighter or looser, you know, that kind of thing. Um, Yeah, so so it's creating those universal designs that, that, Mm -hmm. like you say, the wraps can wrap a bit tighter or you can loosen it or, yeah, it's those things that just make a difference to how they fit different people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I imagine it's still, like, miles better than (laughs) what Mm -hmm. they could get off the rack from, from other brands. Yeah, exactly. And like I always think, like I'm still pretty much in the early phases. Things are going to develop. They're going to get better. We're going to understand more and more each year. But for now, like you say, this is better than what's already on the market. So mm-hmm. even if it's not 100% perfect yet, we're still doing much better than the high street. So I'm just always aiming to learn new things and to improve every year. Yeah. That's wonderful. You definitely put like a lot of thoughtfulness into designing this brand and, and the pieces and the fit. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I'm curious, what has been the response you've received so far? Like, you know, the feedback since you've launched on the pieces? So feedback luckily has always been really positive. Um, I mentioned briefly earlier that Obviously, I am average height. I'm not disabled. So I'm not my customer at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I first started, that was something that worried me slightly of thinking, well, I wonder how people are going to take this. Are they going to think that, I don't know, I've got some kind of weird idea behind why I'm doing it or are they just not going to take it seriously or or what's that going to look like? But actually... I think because this is such a needed brand and people have been waiting for this for so long, like I speak to quite a few people that are in their 50s or 60s, let's say, and they've had children, they've been married, they've had a, they've had a whole life, mm-hmm. and they'll say, but I've never put clothes on that fit. And mm. to me, that's I can't even comprehend what that's like because I put clothes on every day that fit me. Mm-hmm. And... I know firsthand how important that is for me to just be comfortable at the very least in what I wear. So to think of someone who is in their 50s or 60s, or obviously later on in life, and they've never ever experienced just putting something on that's designed for them, that fits, that's comfortable, that they can wear continuously, that they can buy all the different colours of it or whatever it might be. To know that some people don't ever have that makes what I do so important so the feedback's been great and it's always been lovely because I I try and involve the customer as much as I can in the design process and deciding on new launches and what comes out and I'm always asking what people want so to have such positive feedback's been amazing for how we've grown and I think the future of the brand it means that we hopefully will have much more loyal customers than other brands do in the fashion industry. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. And one of my favorite things being a pattern maker about my job is like to see somebody try on clothing that fits them. Um, yeah. Like it's the fit model or the customer, or the di- designer, whoever's trying it on and like the smile on their face, like it just makes yeah. so much of a difference when they're like, 
I feel amazing. I look amazing. Like, mm -hmm. and when, when the garment isn't making them feel bad about the shape of their body, but rather like yeah. making them feel like, wow, this is, this is made for me. And it, it just, it feels great. And so I imagine that's a really special moment if somebody has like never in their life experienced that yeah to try on something um yeah it's a real it can be really emotional for some people and something that I didn't ever expect actually from from that aspect of things is that some people get really nervous to try the clothing on because there's almost such a build-up of oh, I wonder if one day like there'll be a clothing brand for me that I can just buy stuff off the shelf so that when it actually comes around and sometimes when I meet people in person they're actually really nervous to try it on and they're they're almost a bit almost like shell-shocked when they see the clothes like wow that looks like that's my proportions and I've never seen that before that's really strange that I can just go and put it on mm. and yeah it could be a real emotional moment for some people sometimes there's almost a bit of sadness you can see that they've waited so long for that moment but equally there's so much happiness and so much relief that this exists and that this isn't going away like it's only getting bigger there's only going to be more products and more accessible pricing and and everything like that so it's definitely one of the most special parts of what I do is like you say seeing it when people try it on for the first time mm. and and yeah just seeing that moment where they have that realization of wow I don't need to roll the sleeves up or <laughs> the the trousers actually fit I don't have to take them to the seamstress to get altered or turn to my grandma or my mom or whoever it is that does it for them it is a really special moment yeah that sounds like just it's really wonderful to be able to witness that yeah yeah it's really magical um so you mentioned that you like launched initially with just women's apparel yeah. but I now I know now you have women's and men's and shoes. So yes. can you talk a little bit more about the expansion into those new categories and what was the journey like? And yeah, what kind of prompted you to to add those new categories even like, you know, fairly soon in, in your brand? So I think the, one of the biggest reasons why I did it is because I get asked all the time when I'm doing menswear, so it was a bit of one of those things where I couldn't I couldn't not do it because people were asking continuously so I was mm -hmm. being held accountable to do that um obviously menswear I always wanted to venture into but I think I was quite nervous in the beginning because I have always done women's wear that's always what has interested me the most it's what I understand the most it's what I've been trained to pattern cut is women's wear all of that kind of stuff mm -hmm. um but when I did London Fashion Week last September, the feedback was phenomenal and it meant that so many more people got to see our stuff and we did get so much feedback so that when I did Fashion Week this February, it was like, right, I really need to ramp up what I offer here. And in September, I did bridal wear and occasion wear and it was all women's wear. I had 10 pieces and um yeah the like the feedback was so great that I was like I can't now go and do something less than a bridal wear collection it's got to be something new and something big and something exciting so I was like right I'm gonna push myself to do menswear this time I'm just gonna put any of my worries aside I'm just gonna do it I think for anyone that does anything creative you usually can do it if you just set your mind to it like I don't really know much about menswear but bought some patterns online I altered them I used my knowledge and I just went with it and so that, again the feedback's been great it means we can reach more people and it's lovely to see men being kind of catered to as well because we always think of women typically when we think of fashion and fashion week and mm -hmm. and all this stuff and when I go to conventions and I see people in real life there's always men there that are disappointed that there's nothing for them so it was really important to me to venture into that pretty soon after I started and like I said earlier it's only getting bigger and better we've got more things coming and I really want to utilize 
unisex designs going forward because obviously we're we're coming into an age where being non-binary is quite a big thing now so people are wearing unisex clothing more often we've mm-hmm. got people quite androgynous or even just like for example I wear menswear sometimes just because it's more comfortable men wear women's wear sometimes because it fits nicer so why can't we just create more unisex collections that can be worn by both and there's mm-hmm. some pieces that really can be worn by both so for example I don't know casual blazers or jackets or trousers yeah. quite can be worn by both men and women don't know if you've ever tried it but if you go vintage shopping and you buy men's jeans they fit so nice and they're like high-waisted and they fit your hips amazing <laughs> it's like a whole new experience when you try men's vintage jeans on so yeah I really want to utilize unisex going forward and, and just cater to as many people as I can mm-hmm. yeah that's so cool I haven't tried the men's vintage jeans mm-hmm. on but I'm gonna have to see if I can yeah find find them in my size I'm I'm also 5'2 and quite quite small of a person and so generally I would feel like men's men's clothing would be way too big on me but I'll have to give it a try it's just that I don't know what it is it's like the proportions of the men's jeans when I tried them on like Mm -hmm. as you said I'm 5'2 as well so I'm a relatively small person I but I do have much bigger hips than my waist which is pretty common for women I think Mm -hmm. most women will say I struggle with jeans because the hips are too small the waist is too big like Mm -hmm. it's never right but there was something about putting on a pair of men's jeans that for some reason fit my hips and my waist perfect I don't know I literally know what it is it's fascinating I'll have to try it out yeah, so, and then I saw you you were doing shoes as well. So was that, like, I mean, just on the manufacturing side, I'm thinking, like, different factory, different, like, way of designing, a whole nother set of measurements. Like, what was that like, adding shoes to the collection? So the shoes are actually, um, like, a, I don't know what you'd call it, like, almost like a partnership product. And okay. it's a company in the U.S. I can't remember exactly where she's based, Um but there's this woman called Sydney and she started, I think, I believe the world's first shoe brand for people with dwarfism. So mm-hmm. she does focus on dwarfism solely. And okay. she, my understanding of her story, I might butcher it slightly. So if she listens to this, I'm sorry. <laughs> but she created this shoe collection because she's always been into shoes. I think she had a shoe store over in America and she had a woman come in one day who had dwarfism who said did she have anything for her and I think similarly to me Sydney had this moment where she was like oh wow like these people don't have shoes but I can make shoes and I understand feet and and how to design shoes and all this stuff so she created a brand a little while ago I think it's probably I know it's definitely older than my brand maybe five five or six years old um and yeah, we got talking last year, I believe it was, or the year before, and we just agreed to work together. So I buy some stock off of her, it comes straight to me. So I don't really worry too much about manufacturers or the design process or materials or anything like that. But it means that people over in the UK can also access her shoes, which is amazing because we don't have anything like that here. Yeah. And like you said, shoes is like a whole new ball game. Like, I understand clothing and and fabrics and and color palettes and stuff like that but I don't know anything about shoes and I wouldn't even know where to start mm-hmm. when it comes to shoes so it's been really great it means that we've got this whole new product that is a relatively simple process and yeah they they do so well especially when you go to in-person events and people see them and they get to try them on and again you get that moment of like wow like these shoes actually fit my feet in the width and the length Mm -hmm. Uh, instead of typically my customer has to buy shoes much bigger for them so for example the typical foot of a short stature person is anywhere from about a UK size one which I believe is slightly different in the US I'm not quite sure to a Mm -hmm. three but over here our shoe sizes don't start until about a four 
Mm -hmm. So typically they have to buy shoes much bigger. So it means they fit the width, but they're really long. So yeah, when they try the shoes on for the first time and they actually fit, it's, it's such a nice moment. So exciting. Sounds like this is like, been a really a really nice partnership for you and the U.S. shoe brand and for your customer to have access to shoes that fit so yeah definitely and I think one of the really nice things about having this partnership is that we have similar customers yes so somewhere along the line we're kind of competitors but I think because of the reason we both went into this was we just saw a need and wanted to fulfill that need. There's no competitiveness there. Like we just help each other out and we've got a great relationship and, and yeah, it benefits us. It benefits the customer. It doesn't need to be as catty as sometimes the fashion industry is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, I kind of have that same mindset. It's like way much, way more fun and like better for everybody to have more of a collaborative like let's let's fill this goal together mindset than like yeah oh you're my competitor I can't talk to you type of yeah catty mindset yeah yeah definitely and I always say like I don't shop in one place I shop from lots of different places I shop from second hand I buy off the high street sometimes I buy investment pieces I would never shop in just one place so I don't expect my customer to shop in just one place so it means competitors are good like we need we need to be kept on our toes customers need different kinds of products and different kinds of styles it's really not it's not that deep that you need to be the only one doing it yes it's Mm -hmm. lovely it means you get the biggest market share and all of those things but I think when you worry so much about what other people are doing you lose your love for what you do I agree yeah um, so what has been your biggest challenge so far in running Shamaya Jewelry Fashion and what have you learned from that? So the two biggest challenges I'd say was first of all that there was just no research that like even googling like measurements of a person with dwarfism because obviously that's why I started out mm-hmm. there quite literally was just no information like the only medical reports that existed would only look at height. Like they never really looked at anything else. Interesting. Um, yeah. And also obviously because I am average height, I wasn't already in the community. So I didn't know anyone necessarily to put word out for me. I had to build the credibility before people would speak to me. So it took a really long time, but also financially it's pretty tough because because I have to do so much more sampling, there's a lot of trial and error. Things like um, avatars and designing kind of like 3D garments digitally don't work for me because Mm. the avatars exist. Um, If you try to put in measurements for a short such a person onto Clothe 3D, for example, Mm -hmm. or another one of those softwares where you can do digital design, it just comes up with the the strangest looking avatar like it just really doesn't understand the proportions um equally nowadays you can go and buy custom-made patterns online by just popping in a few details but when you have someone who is four foot tall for example the algorithm doesn't understand it and again it will just come with a really botched pattern Mm -hmm. so that has been really tough like losing a lot of money on things that just haven't worked um because it's not as straightforward as as having a basic building block and and altering it or it's not as easy as just buying a pattern off like online and and altering it Mm -hmm. there's a lot of trial and error so financially a lot of money's gone into it a lot of money has unfortunately gone into things that haven't quite worked lessons have been learned obviously from that um but yeah that's why at the moment I'm really speaking to investors I'm really trying to really push this now to being the global brand that I know it can be yeah and and I can totally understand like yeah that's a challenge when there is there is no building blocks for what you're doing yeah. like you're creating the blocks as you go and 
yeah and I'm, I'm i'm sorry to hear that it's been like such a challenge and you know and you know money having to be spent where it wasn't really getting you anywhere but um it seems like you like worked through that and have really like created the fit in the blocks that you needed yeah yeah like it is unfortunate that it's taken so long and that it that so much money is don't want to see it as wasted because you learn things every time something goes wrong or mm-hmm. like failures are always a lesson I, I like to think but every time something did go wrong you think right okay well I know that's not going to work now we move on to the next thing and like I've learned sometimes it's just better to just do it myself because I know it will get done in a certain way that I'm happy with and that works right now um so yeah you just you learn as you go Mm -hmm. on the flip side what are you most proud of or excited about with running your brand the past two and a half years so I think the thing that I'm most proud of was when I did fashion week for the first time um yeah obviously like as soon as I knew I wanted to be a fashion designer as a kid like London fashion week is just like that was the ultimate dream and I always say with my brand and I think other business owners could find this helpful is that if I if for any reason I had to close the brand tomorrow I'm still happy with what I've done so far Mm -hmm. that I was like right if I do fashion week then if everything fails in a few months time then at least I did that at least Mm -hmm. that was I'm gonna remember forever I've done it I can tick it off my bucket list I did fashion week whatever and it was just amazing like I said like the feedback was just unreal it was so amazing and because I decided to do bridal and occasion wear it was really a lot of work put into it in beforehand and obviously the two years previous to that, learning about all the measurements and proportions, everything come down to that moment, it felt like. Mm-hmm. And the crowd, like, clapped the loudest and cheered the loudest for our girls. And the models just, before they went onto the catwalk, there was a mixture of nerves and excitement, as I'm sure there is with most catwalks. Mm-hmm. But once they come off of that catwalk, you could just tell, like, the adrenaline rush that, was running through their body and the the joy that they felt for just being I guess appreciated and seen and feeling comfortable in what they were wearing and loving what they were wearing and there was the added layer of emotion of this was bridal wear it's never been done before no one's mm-hmm. ever seen short stature women in bridal wear before um, on a runway no less that's kind of known yeah. for like having really tall exactly really tall models exactly and the shortest model was like three foot tall so we've really gone to the extremes of like an average woman would be like a model would be somewhere around six foot and we've just like halved it we've got someone that's three foot on the one day so it was just so unexpected I think the crowd just didn't expect to see it which was why they did cheer so loud and clap so loud and it was just such an emotional moment and after the models had all walked and they were all coming back through and usually the designer does a little walk at the end don't they mm-hmm. but I just stood there and I just like sobbed crying I was so happy mm-hmm. and I always think if I could just go back and just like relive that moment and just bottle it up and just bottle up the feeling that we all had on that day I was like that's definitely got to be my proudest moment today just the the feeling of how much they appreciated it and how much the crowd understood it and that they didn't take the mic and they didn't laugh or they weren't disgusted that they weren't tall very slender models people just loved it so yeah that's a hundred percent my most proud moment to date yeah congratulations that sounds like an amazing an amazing moment for yeah. you and the models and yeah everyone to kind of see a different a different body shape and different people represented on the runway in beautiful dresses so yeah yeah it was amazing and like I said like if for any reason I close down the business tomorrow like I've done that now and I'm I'm happy with that that was amazing and if I can relive that once a year or 
or however often I do fashion week then amazing then I'm just I'm doing what I wanted to do so cool only one more question for you that I ask everyone at the end of the interview which is if you could communicate one value to the world to the clothes you design what would it be inclusivity Mm. yeah I I can see that (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah just being as inclusive as you possibly can and just thinking of people other than people like yourself mm-hmm. like push really push yourself out there learn about different people from different backgrounds and different bodies living different lives like I think just consider how you can be more inclusive every day would be mm-hmm. my one thing yeah put yourself in somebody else's shoes for a minute yeah Love that. yeah yeah just consider what other people live every day it doesn't have to be negative like I like to keep what I do as positive as possible like there's obviously negatives to what my customers go through but if I can do something good and I can put a smile on their face by just being considerate and just learning and and being as inclusive as possible then then I'm doing a good thing and I think everyone should strive towards being more inclusive agreed yeah well, this has been such an amazing conversation. I'm so interesting to hear your story and your your passion and, and all the work that went into this brand. Um, where can people find out more about you and Shamaya Jewelry Fashion online? So our website is just shamayajewelryfashion.com. Um, and then all of our handles over everything, that's Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, um, is Shamaidri Fashion. So at Shamaidri Fashion, which is C-H-A-M-I-A-H-D-E-W-E-Y and then fashion. Um, So yeah, you can find us there. Cool. I'll put links to those in the show notes. And thank you again for joining me today. This has been great. Yeah, no, it's been lovely. Thank you so much for having me. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And if you would like more episodes and resources like this about growing a fashion business that fits your customer, lifestyle, and values, send straight to your inbox. You can sign up for my email list at alisonhainis.com newsletter. That's A-L-I-S-O-N-H-O-E-N-E-S dot com newsletter. Again, thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join me for the next episode of How Fitting.